Well, hello, Josh. Mike, what's going on today? Not much. You brought me something delicious for this delicious podcast. I brought you some pies, some chicken pot pie, some key lime little mini pie, a little uh, salted caramel Mm -hmm. pie. Now, the key lime is the key to my heart. The key lime is the key to my heart. I've always, since living in, I lived lived in Argentina for a while, and the dulce de leche kind of... That's yours? uh, That's your go-to. It's a little sweet for me, but I'm excited to try it. But also the savory of this chicken pot pie is going to be good, and I'm a little, you know... I just made a pot pie in the last podcast, so... You did. So this is from a place called Simple Things. Uh, They have three locations, Westwood, Burbank, and 3rd Street out in like West Hollywood-ish area. And it's just like one of my favorite places to go and and get a lunch. Um, They... They actually did catering on Bones for a while. And fun fact, we actually shot Breakfast with the Squinterns out there. We did shoot yeah. was it Breakfast with Bones. Breakfast with Bones, Breakfast yeah. with Bones. We'll have, to, we'll have to dig up that old well, link on It was uh, YouTube, Eugene but, and Pej and myself. And that was like when they first opened. And since then, they've had a couple more locations um, because their food's delicious. So we'll include a link to the Instagram. But uh, I do have to say that this chicken pot pie... Looks good. It's shiny and buttery and looks really good on top. And I'm going to get down with it while we're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And today we have on a very dear friend of mine, Josh Matter, Valerie Weiss. She directed The Archer, which is a movie that I was a part of. And she also has a pretty like budding career in television. She's been directing Suits, The Resident, The Rookie... She also has a degree in molecular biology. Wait, Princeton undergrad yeah. gre- degree in molecular biology, and then she has a PhD right. from Harvard. Yeah, I had no idea what that degree meant, but you will learn on this episode, and, and she'll also kind of go into detail about what, how science is near and dear to her heart and how she uses that to be creative and be a wonderful director, and she is a wonderful director and a wonderful person. Go and grab a bite to eat at Simple Things in LA and uh, enjoy our podcast. I'm eating it right now. Thanks, Josh. Welcome to Second Meal, a podcast where we discuss life, the industry, food, and what it means to live and work in Los Angeles. We're your hosts, Michael Grant Terry and Josh Levy. Sit back and enjoy a second meal. Valerie, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. Guys. I missed you so much. It's I crazy. I miss you. I'm so happy right now, just being. I know. In your aura of this is just a chit chat too. So like. So we're just catching up. We're just catching up and meeting new yeah. friends. Exactly. Yay. Um, and I and I watch the I watch the Archer. In How about anticip- that haircut? Yeah, that's was my first thing. Was like, <laughs> Mike. Whoa. Right. That is right? some do. That is we had a good. Uh, the beginning of that haircut was a good. Well, that that's that's an eatery. Yeah. Scone, bricks and scones. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's how it all started. That's it was a great raining. eatery. Thank God for the rain. I know. Because you were like, because my hair was this? a little matted. Yeah. Because I like showed up with like my like nice little spiky do. And you uh-huh. were like, the hair, we need to. And I was like, I, I know, I know, I have an idea. <laughs> okay, so how did that conversation go with, with, with whose suggestion was it to do? It was do? a little weird because my mom was like militant about no hairbrushes and no brushing your hair at the table. So as soon as you started touching your hair at the table, I was a little bit like <laughs> uh, conflicted. Yeah. But what you did was so good yeah. that I got over that. Well, first I had brought up a buzz cut. And yeah. you were like, no, that's a little... And you were right. Too military. Too on the nose. No it's on too the military. And, um, and then I was like, well, how about this? And I did the hands through my hair and then took a bite <laughs> of my sandwich. Your hair, <laughs> like you matted it too I matted far it down. Ahead. You yeah. gave us some great bangs. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, I remember getting my hair cut 
by the girl who cuts my hair. I remember I texted you a picture. And she was like cringing. She was like, I think you might need to go out the back. Like you can't go out the front of the salon because like it's bad business. Because I kept being like, stop. I was like, stop fading it. Stop fading. She was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Like, she kept, I was like, give me a bad haircut. Yeah, I was like, yeah, give me a. She was giving you like Hollywood premiere haircut. Yeah, I was like, like, no, 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 I need. Yeah, exactly. Backwards. I need backwards, like haircut. chomp, 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 like, like Bill's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> with like a knife or something. Oh God, totally. Well, at least it wasn't, um, uh, you guys weren't doing a TV series together where you needed that haircut. All the time? Yeah, because I, I've gotten into those things on TV series where you need to have the same haircut for six months. Mm. And so is that why the Archer TV series didn't go? That'd be Did a good you tank series, it? Actually. <laughs> Did you tank it? Because you're like, no, I, I got some good people hair. that could come on. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's the Jon Snow <laughs> Game of Thrones thing, right? Like, he so desperately wants to get rid of his hair and people are are like on patrol looking for his hair like is he where's Jon Snow's hair Jon Snow's hair because I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones actually yeah. might be the oh you don't either yeah I don't get the reference do. <laughs> but we'll both be like yes yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yes sure sure yeah yeah I was like uh, I don't know actually I just watched the first three the other day oh yeah re-watching one of them because I couldn't I can't get into it man it's like the first one was like Pulling teeth. I don't. I don't know. And there's so many people, and yeah, and now it's so hyped right now. Does your wife like, watch it? Well, she she and I watched three, and I was like, I gotta go to bed. And she was like, I'm gonna stay up and watch more. And then she's watched like another. She's on second season. Okay, so she's into it, and you are like, meh. There's just so many other things to watch. I, I don't know, and it's like really low on my priority list at this point. I'd like to watch it, but my husband's like all the way to the end. So oh, so you'd be like watching it solo? All those hours by I'll myself. come over to your house. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we could, I've um, also seen like some, ra- I saw the Red Wedding episode, like random as a one-off because my friend was really, he had gotten out of the hospital and I went over to take care of him and I was like, watch whatever you want. He's like, really? This is a really crazy like <laughs> spoiler Game of Thrones. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> You're like, Vice, I'm yeah. Vice had a, a good re- friend. <laughs> Vice.com yeah. had a reporter who they had, and I think this was like the fifth or fifth or sixth season, watched all the episodes straight. Like oh didn't God. go to sleep. Really? And like oh. wrote yes. And was just what happened to this? It was miserable and like watched I think like seventy hours of TV straight. Wow. Straight through. Wow. Like no sleep? Yeah. What I mean, about food? Yeah, well, was eating food, was, you know, going Everything. to the bathroom, but just like didn't leave his apartment in New York. Oh my God. For, you know, 80 hours. So for that's, like three days, just watch Game of Thrones. In the brain. Yeah. Wow. A little much. Well, we're happy you're here. There's a lot. I mean, like. Do you ever say we're unhappy you're here? We're not happy you're here, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> we're really unhappy, actually. Um, so we're going to cut this. Yeah, short. we're going to cut. We're going to edit that together. <laughs> um, I'm so, like, it's so awesome what's happened for your career since we did The Archer. And, like, I want to get into that at some point. But you're from Philly, too. Hey, Do you know this? Up? I forgot I, to tell you this. This is our, like, fifth guest from Philly. Really? Who oh, else? Yeah. Uh, well, Bailey did one oh, two yeah. weeks ago. Um, She's, like, Eugene Bird. Eugene Bird. Actually, we've just talked about this. Bones had so many people from Philly on the show. Really? Michaela, David, Eugene, me. There are some other people, I think, as well. You have to get Tom Berica. He's from Philadelphia. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, this is good. Lots of, we need lots of uh, Philly people to keep this I'm going. Just, we're just doing this podcast to educate me on Philly since exactly. I've never Where been there. Exactly. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in Santa Monica. Oh, here you go. I was from the East Coast, and when I was eight years old, moved out here. Well, where in the East Coast? Uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You like this better. I, this is what I, I know, and when I, mo- when I moved out here when I was eight... Um, from the snow and started school, moved like right before school started and saw that I could wear shorts in the winter. 
I was sold. Mm. Don't you love today, by the way? Did you notice? I was like walking the dogs at the park and I was like, there are people in gloves, winter hats. Oh, I have like, them in my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're full parka. And I was like, but I was like, it's cold. It was like 45 this morning. Yeah, it's cold. That's cold. It's I don't cold. remember it being I'm this cold up. throughout the day in a while. This is one of the coldest, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, I, I know a little bit of your background, like, mm-hmm. but I want to get into that a little bit more of like what what led you to filmmaking? Because I know that you've had an illustrious career, like, <laughs> You didn't see past. that. You didn't, like, find the thread in my bio. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've seen it, but I don't know, like, and I, you and I have talked about science and, like, yeah. obviously you going to Harvard and for yeah. what specifically? Wait, wait, wait. Um, back up, because I want to know this okay. whole story. Yeah. I don't know okay. this. All right. Well, I was born in <laughs> a little town. Um, well, let's see. So I grew up in Philadelphia and somehow became super interested in acting when I was, like, five like really young and did a lot of that stuff just like play-based imagination playing and my parents saw how interested I was and so took me to this to acting classes at the Walnut Street Theater downtown in oh, Philly yeah. you know it you yes. know it um and then I did a lot of school plays and I thought I would be an actor that's what I thought I would be and then my dad my Jewish father was like no you're gonna be a doctor so no acting for you and while I was convinced I would still be an artist I definitely internalized that message of like wow, like you still have to support yourself and, you know, I'm going to starve if I'm an actor. So I always had this it's true. big, it's kind of true, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Odds are. So I, yeah, I sort of had this very mixed message growing up, whereas they'd take me to these acting classes, but then, you know, there's this messaging of something else. Um, and then in 10th grade, I had this amazing biology teacher, Mr. Sharon Bura, John Sharon Bura, who I still keep in touch with. And that kind of changed my life because he taught biology like the world's greatest story ever told. And the same part of me that was really curious about human relationships and all of that. Should I wait for the plane? No, you're good. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so conditioned. Hold for the plane. Uh, No, 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 you're good. Um, yes, yeah, so this, I think the same part of me that was very curious about human drama was also curious about, well, how does the world work? And through science, I can figure all that out. So I decided to major in molecular biology. I went to Princeton and minor in theater and dance. Um, you can't major in theater there, really, so my parents were really happy. How many people did minors in theater and dance at Princeton? Like, was it, was that a normal thing? I mean, or, or, Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was, gosh... I don't know, maybe maybe like 50 to 100 people, like 50 people in a class maybe. Right. Not that many. I mean, my husband did, a lot of like all the Princeton people I know out here did. Um, all the people who weren't allowed to do it. Who weren't allowed to do yeah, it, exactly. But like really wanted <laughs> to do it. Who yeah. like allowed to go to a right. real acting right. or art school did it. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and I started, uh, my sophomore year, someone asked me to direct a play and I directed Christopher Durang's um, Identity Crisis, uh-huh. which is a crazy, funny, absurd play. And that that was it. As soon as I did that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be an actor. I want to be a director. This is this is what I want to do. And then it was just a matter of figuring out, well, how, how do you do that? And so I directed five plays and, you know, still worked in a lab and did a thesis in biology and published a paper and was like, all right, well, what do I do now? Um, so I decided to go to grad school for science, <laughs> to be a director, because that's yeah. what you do. And I went to Harvard and did a PhD in biophysics and um, biochemistry. And on the side, I kind of did exactly what I did at Princeton. I just did tons of theater, and but 
this time I was like, all right, in addition to theater, I want to learn, actually learn filmmaking. Because I knew I didn't want to be a theater director. I wanted to make things that lasted that right. people could see forever. So um, basically I started this program in any uh director or writer or producer that was coming through Boston, I would call them up and say, hey, do you want to speak at Harvard for a night? And nobody really turns that down. So I had like this great slate of filmmakers like um, Brad Anderson and Dylan Kidd and um, Hal Hartley and just these great, you know, uh, great artists coming and teaching film. And that was basically my film school. And but you started that program, or no? Mm-hmm. How did, and how did you get in touch with people and, and get them interested and in, in on board with that? To come to speak? Yeah. Well, back in the day, I'd look in the newspaper. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Literally, I'd look in the yeah. Boston Globe <laughs> and see who was speaking at Boston University or in town or at a film festival, and I'd you know, find their phone number somehow and right. call them up. I mean, Boston has, Boston has a pretty vibrant community for actors as well. They I mean, do ART is there. Yeah, and Emerson, Emerson where I went. Yeah. And like, you know, I remember like we used a lot of Boston local hires for our films that we were making to honestly my anger because like there was no connection between the film department and the theater department in a, in a bad way. Right. When you should be using, I think, theater students for... Um, student films so that they can learn before they get out of college. Right. But anyway, there there was there's a lot yeah, of people that come talent. through there Absolutely. and decent theaters as well. Mm-hmm. Brian Dennehy did Death of Salesman when I was there. I remember oh, seeing. That's yeah. So, but um, so can you explain like what exactly <laughs> your major meant in at Harvard? Like, like what, what did you is? do? Yeah. Like so the title of my thesis is I have to remember the three D X ray crystallographic structure of the yeast arginine methyltransferase HMT1. That's a good name for a movie. Wow. That's a very good name for a movie. Yeah, Don't really steal good. it. No, Don't that's steal really it, good. Mike. I have it in my mind. It's on the podcast. <laughs> it's registered at the yeah. WGA. Damn. Don't you take it. Um, and yeah, basically it's 3D photography of molecules and Whoa. figuring out what they look like in space. Because if you know what something looks like, you can start to make uh, conclusions about its function and test its function and design drugs against, you know, things that might cause cancer, for instance. Right. Very much oversimplifying, but... So doing that thesis, what was your career path? Um, Well, I would basically, like, do experiments all day and set up an incubation and then go over to Cambridge because the med school's in Boston and then run a seminar and, you know, learn filmmaking and then in the morning come back and do more experiments. And my last year uh, at Harvard, I was writing my dissertation, so it gave me a bit more time. And I would basically, uh, I directed a film, my first film. It was a dance movie. And I directed on the weekends and, you know, set it up during the week, produced it during the week, and we shot for nine weekends, I think. And that was my first film. And two weeks after we wrapped production, I had to defend my thesis. Wow. Which was a little unnerving because yeah. I had, you know, been thinking about a movie for the past few months. Which is just a little thing. I mean, it doesn't take that much time. <laughs> no, not at all. Neither <laughs> one does. Yeah. One does. <laughs> and I did. I defended my thesis. And, um, you know, they were like, congratulations, you passed, you have a PhD. And I was excited but I think I was just more excited that I'd finished that chapter in my life and I could go off and do what right I'd figured out I you had really gotten your to PhD do. and like, like I checked the box right exactly you know, I can go do it and it was only really in that moment that I knew for sure that I absolutely wanted to be a director up until that point I, I mean I love science I still do and I have projects that are based in science and really I promised myself going into grad school that at the end of the time whichever one I liked more 
I would do and have no regrets. And, yeah. That's good. I mean, that's rare. I feel like people are often, so often do things that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And also to have that, that choice to be able to, to know in your heart of hearts what, what really makes you happy. Yeah. Do you associate, I mean, I know, was it your first film that had science yeah. involved mm-hmm. in it? Do you still like long to make a film that's really based like about science? I do. And I, you know, that was a comedy. It, it was called Losing Control and it was about a female scientist who wants proof that her boyfriend's the one. So it was like this funny romantic take on real science and it was so much fun to make. Um, I have other, you know, I direct a lot of medical TV shows. Yeah. So I use a lot of science in that, which is really fun. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. That must be so helpful. I mean... It's so helpful. It's so helpful. And it's fun because, like, I can visualize, like, these words, this medical jargon isn't abstract to me. Like, Right. I you know, know how exactly. to pronounce them. Know you how know to, how... I correct my actors all the time. I'm like, yeah, this is how you say well, it. Well, that's mostly. from, you know, from years of Bones and years of us working together the pronunciations of these different things yes. and the, the the writers on Bones, how extremely like worn out of bone clues right. and of, of the science they got um, was just extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big part of it. We had, a, you know, we had a medical advisor on every, mm-hmm. every yeah, week, we which was, which was really helpful. But I mean, having a director that knows that, I don't know any directors on Bones that were like, I mean, you don't know any other directors with their PhD in molecular <laughs> biology. Well, there's a couple, yeah. You know, um, there's a big cross section. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of us. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, obviously, there are directors who have been there for a long time. But I mean, we had Michael Peterson on, who was who was a showrunner in the last two seasons of Bones. And one thing that I think was different about Bones, I don't know if the residents like this, but they didn't do. They actually wrote. All the writers actually had to know the medical dialogue and write it in because I know a lot of they these shows. Write medical, medical, medical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> medical, medical, medical. They actually wrote it in, which is pretty impressive yeah because even after eight years for me like i remember things would come back up and i'd be like i don't remember how to say that word right like <clears throat> exactly well, and yeah, if you're not using it in everyday every day, life which you're like, probably not <laughs> yeah i mean i have things that are stuck in my head still that i like lines that i remember but i don't can you do any of those like lines for us yeah i found avulsion fractures along the proximal humerus also the heads of each femur are dislocated from the acetabula oh my god Woo! that's one shakespeare yeah, thank you thank you <laughs> the only reason i know that one is because we, it was like a really fast paced scene where like we have to solve this crime and I had gotten the dialogue like I think either like that day or like the night before and I just was so, I just crammed the shit out of it to the point where it's like stuck there forever because I was so scared. Like we were, we had to shoot the scene really fast and I was so scared I was going to mess oh, up. Man. And it was all one shot, you know? And oh like, God. And like we were no doing like working on the bones and I was just like, I don't, I have to know this perfectly or else it's going to ruin everything. <laughs> Um, Lies on you, baby. Yeah, I know. At least <laughs> in my head. At least in my yeah, head. Right? <laughs> so, Valerie, you've done a couple films, and can you can you take us through like the the names of your films, and then how you transitioned to television, and if it was a path that you um, knew you wanted to take? Sure. Um, so, after losing control, I directed a movie called A Light Beneath Their Feet, which is a mother daughter drama about a mom who has bipolar disorder. Taryn Manning. Taryn Manning, played by beautifully by Taryn it's, Manning. It's really good. You guys should see it if, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Yeah, she's fantastic. And her daughter is played by Madison Davenport, who's just brilliant, too. She's she's in Sharp Objects right now. She's just such a talented young woman. Yeah, she is. Okay, I, was, I saw her, and I was you like, where her? do I yeah. recognize her from? That's totally it. Okay. Yeah, she's so good. Yeah. And it's really, it's a story about mental illness, but it's really about codependence. And... It's kind of like really could 
be a boyfriend-girlfriend story, a husband-wife story, and the theme of the movie is, is it okay to leave someone you love? Because Taryn plays a single mom, and her daughter is going off to college. They live in Chicago, and her mom thinks she's going to Northwestern down the street, which she thinks is too far. Like, you should live at home. Meanwhile, the daughter really wants to go to UCLA, where the weather is predictable, the same, Mm -hmm. and sunny all the time, unlike having a mom with mental illness. And... But they really love each other. And I think that's what's nice about the film is the mom, while she is a burden, she's also the light of her daughter's life as well. And they really love each other. So I think it's just a very universal story of when you sort of outgrow somebody, but you want the best for them, how do you kind of navigate those ties? And so so that was just a lovely film to get to make. And then after that, that led me to make The Archer, which was one of the most fun experiences. Yeah, no, fun. no, no joke. Yeah. It was one of the me best too, experiences. Me too, for me too, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty magical. That was a, sorry, Light Beneath Your Feet, was that before or after AFI? Because you did the AFI oh, Women's. Oh, way after. I did AFI after, right? right after I moved here. Okay. Yeah, the directing workshop for women. And how did you, you submitted on that with films that you had previously done or? At the time when I submitted, you didn't need a film, although I'd made a couple films. I made the dance movie and I made another <clears throat> short or two in Boston before I moved. And you submitted with a script and recommendations and you interviewed and yeah. And that was a great program. I made a sci-fi short called Transgressions. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, my husband's in it, Rob Johnson. He's also in The Archer. He's also in The Archer. What, one thing that struck me like immediately meeting you, I don't really remember, well, I, I don't know if I remember the audition that well, to be honest, but I do. I remember your audition. You do? Well. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Okay, I, don't, I remember being directed by you in it, though, which I really loved. Oh, thank you. And, um, <clears throat> it would have sucked if you hated it. Yeah. Like, I got this movie, well, I hated the direction. Yeah, I hated the direction of that audition. <laughs> oh, I got a book, that one? I have to really think about that for a little while. I actually do remember, um, I really liked the script and I liked the experience in the room. I do remember that because I remember checking in with my agents, which I don't often do, mm. like three weeks later. And I was like, what's happening on The Archer? Anything happening? And then like two days later, I got the call actually while on set on Bones. Oh, nice. I remember I was in my trailer and I was like, sweet. That's like, great. It was like right after Bones was wrapping for the season. Yeah, it was unanimous as soon as we saw you. We really? Were like, oh, that's Yeah, nice. and the studio too. Like Hannah loved you oh, that's great. from before. It, it's interesting because like part of me like had wanted to go in there with hair funky and I didn't. And like, oh, weird. But it, but, but it works out anyway because like you get well, to we create. We would have the, had that great coffee shop experience. I know, exactly. And it might discussion. have also been too aggressive. You guys might have been like, <laughs> that guy has a bowl cut? What the fuck is he doing? He's right. not right for this role. Or he's His really like that. was great, but he seems really creepy. I'm afraid that he's like that in real life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but one thing that struck me like immediately well, aside from that coffee shop experience with you was rehearsals and Bailey and I talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. like it's so rare to get rehearsals on a movie even especially a big budget movie, movie yeah. but especially an independent movie well, yeah. and I know that we all gave up our time to do that which I would always do I think mm-hmm. it's only beneficial for everybody yeah. if you have the time obviously sure. but like it was a very clear insight to me with how you like to work with actors, which actually was very much of the theater world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sitting down, doing table work, breaking down a script, yeah. and talking about each scene and what you see in each scene. Where does that come from? Like, is that from your theater experience? And how has that developed? Sure. I think it, it must be because I did so much theater 
in college and that was what I loved, you know, um, and rehearsal and working with actors is obviously one of my favorite parts of, of this job. And, you know, and I think a little bit of being a scientist too, I definitely think my science brain informs everything, like wanting to answer every question you can. I know there's going to be mysteries and things that come up on set, which is fabulous, but it's better if they come up once you've already done all this work, almost more interesting mysteries can come up if you've done the work and so I think just that deep dive into understanding it and the collaboration because science is also very collaborative you have lab meetings where you present data and everyone questions it and you go deep and I think I love those processes because I know it makes the work better and so I I think that's where it must come from so on the archer how long what what was the rehearsal process how long um well we we um we rented our producer Ruth Dew who's amazing she found money in the budget to rent a production office that had just a really groovy space in Hollywood yeah super cool where we had like this big conference room and um I think what did we do we scheduled it so people I kind of grouped your scenes so you weren't there for scenes you didn't you weren't in yeah and Bailey was there all day because she had scenes with everybody. And then Bill... Um, Skyped in. Bill Sage. Yeah, Bill Sage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I did Bill Sage. Bill Sage. <laughs> Bill Sage, who's amazing, um, lives in New York. So he would Skype in. And, you know, I'd never... I'd done a Skype audition once, which actually got Madison the role. Uh-huh. But I've never <clears throat> Skype rehearsed. And I was like, this could be great or horrible and it was really good and it was just such a chance for people to just ask questions or pitch ideas about what their character looks like how they dressed I think that whole relationship because Bill and um, Mike play father-son and really one of the backbones of the movie of the antagonist story of this is their relationship and it's not on the page at all no but those guys really had great chemistry, and I think you guys even got on the phone together on your own. Yeah, we spoke a few times. Worked out a whole yeah. backstory, which yeah. really served the movie. Well, because we also came into I, we came into that movie. Our first scene was this, a scene where my father's whipping me at the bottom of the stairs. That scene you saw. Yeah, I saw that. That scene. was the first scene I shot. Oh, the the, what? Oh yeah, you yeah. just showed up. Right? I came up. You well, guys, you did your like saunter around town, check out the restaurants. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're very bougie arrival, yeah, yeah. and you're like, I'm ready arrival. to be whipped. I was like, ready to be whipped. No, like because I remember Ruth was like, so you're shooting this night. Do you want to come up that morning? And I was like, no. Can I come up the night before? I was like, because that's a little bit. Of, that's a little bit to like drive up to Idlewild and yeah. be like, hey everybody, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay, whipping She's scene like, commence. There goes the budget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's coming up the night He's before. Coming up the night before. We're screwed. He's no charging props. everything to all the restaurants. <laughs> But uh, no, that uh, it's so important to have those those relationships. And like, before we get too deep into TV stuff, like, how do you do? Like, so how do you match that in television when you don't have the time for that? Well, and how has that tricky. been a challenge it, for you? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is because I, you know, I do love to rehearse, and I've always been able to do that. Gosh, you know, it's been a process. I've done now. I've done fourteen episodes in two years. So my process, you have fourteen, which is kind of amazing that it's been the last six to eight months has been overlapping yeah it's kind of actually amazing because you're working at such a rate you're also growing at such a rate and developing tricks and skills very quickly so um I don't know I'd probably answer that question differently when I started than now um but you're asking about when I started 
Yeah, I think that was, that's the thing, like table read is really the only opportunity you have before you're on set with the actors. I mean, usually an AD will take you around to the stages and you'll get to meet a bunch of your actors. And I find that's huge because rehearsal is just as much about building trust as it is talking about character and what you're going to do. And so finding that rapport quickly is very important with actors. So you're the first director we've had on. Can you tell um, tell us, tell the audience, what is it like when you book a job? How long are you on a show for? What is prep? What is shoot? Sure. What? So I, I mainly do one-hour dramas. And so for a typical DGA, Directors Guild, uh, one-hour drama, you get seven days of prep. And your shoot days can be anywhere from seven and a half to, I think I've had 12 is the most I've had. And it totally depends on the show, the budget, the schedule, and how much there is to an episode. But seven is pretty firm. I've never prepped more or less than seven days. And so you'll get hired anywhere from six months before a job to a week before a job. So that determines how much time you have to do your own prep, which is to watch as many episodes as you can. I mean, I did Suits was my second episode of television, and I watched 92 episodes of it to do my one episode of season seven. But that's because I had the time, and I also loved the show. I was like, oh, I can keep, <laughs> I right. can keep going. I it's can research. Hours straight. It's research. It's research. <laughs> yeah. so well, that, that would always – that would be on, on Bones, you know, towards the latter, you know, 10, 11, you know, season 12. And it's a network show, right? Yeah. 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 22. Yeah. Well, and, and getting new – especially <laughs> new writers. <laughs> new, new directors and writers, but new writers in particular because they have to create these new storylines. They have to watch they would be like, okay, you need to watch 200 episodes. So you don't overlap, you know, yeah, like a, right, a crime right. that's happened, you it's know. Really oh, you didn't see that was in season four, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. Next week on vice.com, <laughs> a writer watches 215 oh, episodes of Bones straight. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, that's a big part of the prep. But, you know, it actually came in, but just to answer your question about actors, came in really handy on Suits because I had a scene with um, uh, one of the younger actors who's who's recurring, and he was just struggling a lot with the scene, but he was doing a great job, so it was really in his head. And I remember saying to him, hey, 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 listen, you got this. This is exactly like season five when you were outside Mike's apartment. Oh, and this look is, at that. <laughs> it's, like, it's the same exact dynamic. It's just a different situation. So relax. You got this. And I think, A, he felt so supported because I'd seen every episode and paid attention. And just having a reference was incredibly helpful in that moment where he was overthinking it or having whatever struggle he was having. So that's so good. Yeah. And so it's always it's always paid off when I've been able to to watch all the episodes or as many as possible. And is it easier or harder? I know Suits shoots in Toronto. Is Mm -hmm. that right? And then the other shows you've been on, I'm sure, shoot all over yeah, the Chicago, place. Yeah, Chicago, Portland, L.A., Atlanta, yeah. When you're somewhere else and, you know, you're away from your family, I assume that your family's in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. is it, do you find it easier to become more immersed in what's going on when you're, you know, by yourself in yeah, a city? Just definitely. working? I mean, in the beginning when I booked my first episodes, because my first year I'd only had one show in town and that was Scandal. It was the end of the year. So my first six episodes were all out of town. And actually I was, it was a blessing in disguise because I was like, you know, 
nervous to go do television and just great to know that weekends were mine. I could focus and, you know, depending on the show on a weekend, I'll go to the stages and I'll sit there and I'll figure out all my blocking and just, you know, cause prep is very hard. There's so many meetings. You're in a van location scouting. You're talking about costumes and props. There's very little just director time. You sometimes it's don't even have a script until sometimes days don't even in. Have a script. Exactly. So I found it so useful to actually be away um, for in the beginning. Now I've done, I think four of those 14 episodes have been in town and now it's, it's the same. Like it's actually amazing to be in town because it's, very comfortable and getting to see my family is lovely. <laughs> there is something that helps. I think it helps you as an artist when you are around your family. I mean, there's like that, there's yeah. like that um, romantic thing of like going off and shooting something and right. being away and being like, Oh, I'm totally it immersed. Old. It gets old. <laughs> it gets it really old fast. Does. I like, think shooting a, shooting a pilot or a movie um, away uh, out of town, there is something more immersive in it. And it's more like this self-contained experience um, of getting to, to be away and, everyone's in a new city together and you're more like a a a family and you have the the cast dinner and yeah. and you have the whole tight-knit community where you do a series out of town for eight months people want to be back in LA they want to know what yeah, no one's hanging out on the weekends like, yeah, no. yeah out of, they have their own lives because that's the thing is when we did the archer it, it was, was like ma- summer camp it was magical yeah. I had you guys all came over and cooked yeah yeah and my family came and yeah. we bought lollipops right. for the girls and and you know my first show I kind of expected that I was right. like hey I'm in town and I do <laughs> crickets 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 yeah. and then I did another show over fourth of July weekend I was like someone's gonna invite me to a barbecue right Nope. Nobody's <laughs> so, doing that. It's on yeah. my own going to Civil War reenactment. I mean, and what are the big that. what are the big differences, the big things that, you know, aspiring directors who might be listening to this should take away from directing um, you know, independent movies to directing these big studio um, big network um, productions. Well, I think there's TV this, productions. Yeah, I think there's like uh, a fallacy that TV is not as creative and that you don't get to put your stamp on it. And I'm sure some situations, some shows, that's probably the case. However, maybe I've just been lucky, but that hasn't been my experience for the most part. You know, I've felt and even been told, like, make your movie. And, you know, when I've asked a showrunner, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Does your show do that? He's like, make your movie. I mean, other shows... I've been told, no, we don't do that, so don't do that. (laughs) But um, more often than not, they really want you to be creative, and they've hired you for your voice and your point of view, and particularly with getting performances and telling a story visually, like picking a couple places where you can really put your visual stamp on it and do something different. And so I found it really rewarding. And so to answer your question, the the trajectory from independent film to doing um, studio work is when you're making that independent film, that's your chance to really hone those skills. And there's nobody stopping you from putting your stink on that movie and you should really take that opportunity to take risks and be true to your voice and make something really original it's not gonna hurt you getting work in fact trying to look like everybody else or to fit into a system that you think is less creative will harm you because everyone who's hiring directors for these shows and for big movies actually wants to find that really creative artist so um just think of it as a playground for 
the way you're eventually going to work. Building on that, the you know the producing directors mm-hmm. have you been able to you know take away anything have they taught you things that you want to take to your next job or your next uh, films yeah. I, I what i think is so interesting because you know when you make a movie especially independent there's no producer like that role doesn't exist in movies and can you can you tell i'm sorry what is a producing you, director? yeah what is a producing sure. director so it's a good question because i think my next statement was they're all i don't even know what they are because every show they're so different. It's not like a defined role, like a writer or director or actor. It's kind of this amorphous person who goes between showrunner, producer, director, and they are a director themselves. They usually direct the pilot and finale or season premiere and finale in a few episodes during the season. And they're really there to oversee the show and oversee the directors in a way to make sure the tone stays consistent. But also that I, th- I think, because, again, it's not like a defined job description, so I'm sort of piecing it to get together, you know, from just empirical data because they're all so different. Um, but it seems to me like the overarching mandate is to make sure the vision of the showrunner is very clear. And whatever the show- writing showrunner wants gets done. And so they're a bit of a go-between between that voice and everybody else. So, um, yeah, I've had really great, great, great producing director, director mentors through this process. Um, and they're so different. I mean, some people come from production, like from being an AD, and so they're amazing with the crew. Like, they're involved very much in what the props people are doing and the costumes and supporting them and making sure everybody has what they need and and that the sh- the ship just runs really smoothly. Um, then you'll have other people who are just really more about the script and making sure that <coughs> the director is staying true to the script and that the actors are happy with the scripts and dealing with you know any concerns actors might have. Um, which is very different than the other kind. Um, some are incredibly hands-off or might be doing their own episodes, so not necessarily even around. Not even there, yeah. And yeah. some, you know, sometimes the producing director will be in Toronto on set there mm-hmm. while the showrunner's in Los Angeles yes. and doesn't go out all the time. And so there'll be a continuity uh, with that producing director yes. and the showrunner and the writers of what's going on. Yeah. And it's kind of easier that that person, you know, has that that relationship that uh, that uh, with the rest of the, the writers. And, yeah. and the continuity, I think, is important, too, for, for directors, because, I mean, I hate to say it, but most directors don't watch 62 episodes of a show before <laughs> they come and do it. I mean, like, I mean, like, look, that's a generalization. But, right. like, I know that some will come on and not know the tone being an actor you know you'll I've definitely said my opinion of a character of my character because I'd been playing it for eight years and a director had a different idea and I kind of explained what what it was and he was like absolutely no you know what you're right but it was kind of clear that he didn't really know as much about what has happened with it's also for directors you see as you book more and more episodes you're going from prep to shoot to your time in post to your next that's what happened or skipping post is like like, well you i always try to do my post but this this fall i had to do so much of it out of town so while i'm shooting another show 
that night I'm sending notes to my editor and at lunch I'm like reviewing a cut and giving notes over FaceTime. Right. I mean, it, it was so overlapping. It was, it was And with nutty. a family and everything, you don't have 12 hours to binge watch. No, right. The, right. the yeah. next show. The next thing. What is your, fa- like, what is your favorite part? I mean, obviously shooting, I would imagine, is your favorite part of it. Yeah. But do you enjoy post or pre-production? I love post. I mean, post is like, post is like love. Because you're piecing together your... Yeah, and I, I, you know, doing my own films, you know, you so rarely... My very first film, the one at Harvard, I couldn't afford an editor. So after like three people quit because there was no money, <laughs> right. I was like stuck with Final Cut Pro right. finishing my, my movie. So I really get it. And I know how many tricks you have in post right. that when you're on set... Oh, you don't have time to get that size coverage. I can just blow it up and I can do that. Like you can you just punch in. Yeah, or you, you can, punch in, yeah, right. or I can make a new shot, or I right. can superimpose these two things. Like, so I love being able to get in there and really just massage it and uh, make it exactly what I want it to be. So I love post. Um, but what was your question about prep? No, or? I was just curious which one you obviously like post better yeah, than post, prep. I'm guessing. Well, I love prep I too. Both. I mean, post post is one of the highlights. Working with actors, music, all of that. What about your relationship with your DP and love and how that. that's different? Because I remember seeing yeah. you and Adam, and you and Adam had a great relationship on The Archer. And yeah. That. But like, how is it different on uh, TV? Because it's a great question. Because to me, that's coming from features. That's a really important relationship. Yeah. I really feel like <clears throat> we're the mom and dad, or two moms, mm-hmm. or you know of the show and I like to be very close and collaborative and on the same page so that it's almost like we don't even have to talk about anything while we're shooting and obviously in TV it's harder especially if you don't have alternating DPs some shows right you get your DP for prep um so that's amazing but that's really rare. It's only happened, I think, twice for me. Right. So otherwise, you are meeting your DP for a lunch once, if that, before you shoot. And all of a sudden, you're thrown in. And so that's that's a part of it I was, like, you know, concerned about because I really like to develop that relationship. So far, it's been great. I've had amazing relationships with all my DPs. And even just this last one, I worked on The Rookie with um, Benji Bakshi, who's great DP and we he's from Philly oh nice yep went to Temple um and you know we we didn't even get a lunch together so I was really nervous how were we gonna form that bond but we managed to have a couple conversations about you know I wanted to do some different things than the show typically like does. what like I'm curious what like- um I wanted to be more handheld because mm-hmm. we have a pretty special episode and so I wanted to distinguish a bef- something a before and after that happens in the episode uh-huh. and really make it feel viscerally different. And the show does a bit of handheld, but they usually do it like action scenes right. or chases. But right. I wanted to do that even for scenes that weren't that and just play with some point of view things and some different can't give away any spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Very vague. No, no, no. But um, yeah, so I talked to him about it ahead. And then we actually set up our first scene on the episode. And again, this is the first time we're working together. And we set it up. And he comes over to me. He's like, and it was set up for dollies and stuff. He's like, you know what? I think think this should be handheld. I was thinking about what you said. And this should be handheld, shouldn't it? I'm like, yeah, I think it should. <laughs> but I'm like new here right. and you set it up this way. And, and he's like, let's do it. 
And I was like, how long is it going to take to change? He's like, 10 minutes. And so we converted. And thank God. And from that moment on, I knew this was a guy. And he comes from Features. This was right. his first episodic gig. I knew from then on, we, we would talk about the special sauce we wanted to sprinkle and everything. Yeah. And what shot was going to be different in every scene. And it was like making a movie. It well, and so handheld isn't, isn't a, a tough change from doing doll. I mean, I'm sure it's actually easier. No, yeah. You know, I know. No, but I it's know like, but you just have, no, no, yeah. no, but it's awesome, time though, wise. to be able time-wise. Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. awesome to be able to put your stamp on something that could just be an oiled machine that you could just come in and be like, do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, yeah. but ha- that's so interesting because this is exactly what I wanted to talk to you about is how you get your stamp on episodic TV yeah. because it's, it really sometimes seems like it's so impossible. Yeah. And it's part of the prep process. It's part yeah. of, if you have a producing director, that's amazing because you can ask them these questions. Otherwise you're kind of feeling it out. You're asking the showrunner, you're asking the DP and, it's 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 a uh, it's a bit of a dance, you know. It's more than a, I want a crane shot that comes down and like because I remember on Bones we would have there'd be like the two special shots, right? You know that they like blew their money on <laughs> and in the yeah, episode yeah, and yeah, out of the episode, yeah, exactly. Or like a <laughs> giant crane that comes down above the body and like you'd be like, oh, we're setting up for the crane shot. I got like two hours, right? <laughs> That's so so so. Was the Archer what got you into television? Like, um, what I, was the first? Like, how was your? How tra- how, how's that transition? Well, I remember I was doing the music for the Archer with um, Paul Doucette, who's uh, a great composer. He's from Matchbox Twenty, and we'd done the music's so good too. Oh, it's such a good job. Great, yeah. great job. He's he's amazing. You can also make and break a movie. But yes, especially Completely. that. Movie, especially that. Because I mean, that like, movie's like genre, right. but elevated genre, right. and feminist. And so I remember we were like doing. A scoring session with like particularly bloody stuff, probably the end of the movie, yeah, like, which is yeah. really harrowing. Yeah. And I was like emotionally spent, and I'm on my way to my car. And my now agent, she wasn't my agent at the time, but she called me, Katie McCaffrey, and she was like, Hey, would you want to do an American Girl movie for Amazon? And I was like, Yes, yeah. <laughs> after like all this blood and gore that my kids cannot see, I right. will be. I was, you know, two girls or like you know, at the time, like six and nine, I was like, yes, I will be the hero of the household, (laughs) please. So yeah, so I did that. And that was, you know, kind of like doing a pilot because it was one of four American girl stories. And they were each different time periods and totally contained. All they had in common was that they were American girl and all had different directors. So it was cool because it was, but the crew was the same crew for all of them. So it was just like TV that way. And that the Director's the guest director, but you're you're designing this world and it's for, you know, a television studio. So I did that and that was super fun. And then after that, um, I got a Chicago Med episode and that was like true episodic. And after right. that, it, it all happened very quickly. That's great. And then it's just been flowing. Yeah. 14 shows in two years is a lot. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really great. Thank you. And, um... Before we transition into food, because oh, I really want to, I'm just curious as an actor, like what you look for in an audition, like mm-hmm. when you watch, because as everything you watch on tape now, I'm guessing, you right? You know, unfortunately, so much of it is the only time it's yeah. not is in Chicago. The casting directors, when I do those shows in Chicago, um, they bring people in. Right. And they tape from LA, because I've read for Chicago PD like a million times. Oh, have you? Yeah. That's that self tapes. Yeah. Well, those are tape. Yeah. Yeah, those but are the tapes. Local, local the hires. Roles yeah, are yeah. All, they bring people and in. And the librarians, I think you said that yeah. was local hire as yeah, well. Yeah, that was local hire. And yeah, I did go in. I did sit in on those auditions there too. Yeah. But um, so what do I look for? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, or what strikes you? Like what is yeah. the defining moment? I know that moment? I can tell very quickly. Yeah. 
like within a sentence or two, I know if I want them. Mm. Um, just I think from years of doing theater, right. I just can read actors very quickly. Um, so I don't know. It's really like, do they feel like the character? I mean, do they bring a little something? Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes TV scripts, you know, everyone wants to elevate their episode, you know, and make it deeper and richer. And so I'm always looking for something a little bit more complex than just what's written for right. a character. So does this person have an interesting look or do they seem like they're a dichotomy and there's something else, you know, or if it's a drama, is there something a little comedic about this character? Like I did a Chicago PD episode about a doctor who was um, involved in opioid uh opioid ring so he's making money off of prescriptions um that he would write and his cousin would sell and um and what was interesting to me I was like why would this doctor do this like he doesn't need the money if he's a doctor I was like his self-confidence must be shot like and he's and he was making a lot of bad choices in the script and I was like this is a great role for someone who's a little funny and really good at insecurity right. and nebbishy and just would be great to have a complex character here. And so I cast um, somebody who's just very, very funny um, who had been on, I forget which show, like a really, like Spin City or one of those long-running right. comedies. And, and he was great and he was very dramatic, but there was this undercurrent where even in the interrogation scenes, he was freaking funny. Yeah. And so I, I it's look real. for that. It's real. Yeah, it's real. It's not like you're I not going to yeah. just, not everybody's going to be mel- melancholy and like no, no. self-deprecation. I, I like of, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Taking a peek at it in another way. So LA was a no brainer. You had to come here, right? I mean like. Oh, to move here? To move here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd lived, I always wanted to live here. And oh, you did? Even, okay. even in Philadelphia. I was so like, did why I, do actually. we live somewhere cold? I know, I know. This is horrible. I can go visit New York <laughs> yeah. and Philly. Or maybe better yet, like get put up there for a job. <laughs> exactly. You know? So what are you like, what are you loving about LA? And like, where do you everything. love to eat? I know it's love? very popular to hate on LA. I love LA. I do too. I never want to live you, anywhere It's fine. Else. You know what? People hating on LA, it's fine. I don't get because it. They don't move. They still stay in LA, they and they come flame. They still stay, but they keep their bad attitude. Oh, it's so, it's, <laughs> oh, it's so much better. Oh, the oh, I love oh. LA, and I think it only gets better once you have kids. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I do actually. It, I think also once you, uh, I don't know if like kids are helping you settle and helping you find a place that you want that's your forever home, or, or I think it's the friends you make. Yeah, suddenly you have friends that aren't just because of the business. Like you have friends, exactly. and you talk about things. It that, feels real feels real. Like it doesn't feel like you moved here to like pursue a dream. It's no. like you're actually here and you're settled here. And you're building in a sense. life. Yeah. And it's not only about like buying a house. I think it's also like you could have that in a rental too. Like mm-hmm. of having a property that is your own with your family. Yeah. And the weather. You can be outside. Well, you, you appreciate the, all right, we're up early. There's things to do. We can go places mm-hmm. that it's nice to go to the park early yeah. in the morning. It's not cold. And, and you appreciate, I think, the the daylight hours more so before kids and and it would be Los Angeles doesn't have the best nightlife stuff closes at 1 30 or 2 well it's not New York or Miami where you can stay out until 5 a.m you uh, as like a parent I don't miss (laughs) like when am I out till 2 now that's like that's that's exhausting that gives me anxiety I can't stay up past 10 yeah yeah Anymore. The only thing that I don't, that I do wish about LA, and I guess this is just anywhere in general at this point, 
is and Christine and I have talked about it with the with the boys. Is I'm like, I miss that you could open the door and go outside and like run around. Like, and I can't at our house, like with in our yard. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, I would go in the street. to the street or go to it like depends on the neighborhood. Though. It does, or go to like the go into the woods or something yeah. like that. But I all right, you had to like, like a I had an area. But I mean, like, I don't go into the woods with that haircut. No, actually, do go in the woods with that haircut. I'm much, I'm much safer in the woods. You find a lot of uh, yeah. like beings. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> but I mean, I do miss that, and like wishing that they could go to the park around the corner by themselves, I just don't feel comfortable. But I don't know if that happens anywhere I, That's anymore. what I mean. I don't that know if it's... That might just be 2019 right. and helicopter parents. Yeah, I know. Crazy I times. Know. So where... You know, so this is second meal, so we have to speak about some food stuff here. Favorite snacks at craft service and okay. meals on set? Okay, favorite snacks. Um, have you guys ever had some crafty people, some geniuses and crafty make these... Sandwiches made of apples, like the bread is apples. No, and there's uh. peanut butter in there and oatmeal. What? Ooh. And it's unbelievable. And it comes out around four o'clock when so it's you're a little, really hungry. Yeah, it's a little bit of a you pick up, you up. Yeah. And it's healthy. Yeah. And it's not too messy. It seems like it might be messy, but it's totally. That's when doable. they come out with the trays, right? Or it's on the table. Or it's on the table. It table. totally depends. Oh, that's a really good one. That's a that really good. good. We've heard. I actually want that right now. I bet my kids would eat that <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. It's always green apple. Yeah, green you need apple. that little tart. You need a little tart. Tart with the sweet. Yes, okay. exactly. It's classier. And what about like second meals that you would have on set that are? Well, I don't know if this is a second meal, but I was actually very nervous about this question because I work out of town so much, and I thought it was an LA question. And oh no, I anywhere. S- okay. Yeah. Well, I saw India Jones. It's a truck uh-huh. go by, and one of the directors, uh, Domaine Davis, who did for the people right before me, that was her gift. You know, because directors and writers yeah. get treat trucks for everyone. Oh, we haven't talked about this yet, actually. Oh, okay. That's, that's good. So. Um, I had the I was the beneficiary of her treat truck because I was prepping when she bought it for the crew. But that was an Indian food truck called India Jones. Ooh. And I saw them drive by on my way over here. I was like, yes, I'm going to talk about that. Ooh. It's really good. I've never had that. It's really good. We never had Indian food on set. I've never had really? Indian food on set. That might have been the only time I had Indian food on set. We didn't. We would get uh, Boreanis being from Philly, would get the Philly cheesesteak truck. Oh, nice. He loved that. was... Either the in and out truck or that, or that was his truck? like, yeah, like, like he he took a lot of pride what's in it, what's like the, the Philly cheesesteak truck. Uh, it's Philly's best in, in Burbank, okay. it's actually not bad. Um, we've talked about booze too, booze is really good too. B O O S, not booze. What is it? It's a it's a cheesesteak place oh, as well. Philly oh, cheese. that's cool. I should do that. I got I did Rita's Water Ice on yes. um, How to Get Away with Murder. That's so weird. Philly. I didn't even know that they had Rita's. Actually, in, they don't have a truck. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't know they had it in Philly? No, I, ju- I do. No, in LA. I do know. They have that a I, storefront in Santa Monica. They also have one in North Hollywood. Oh, okay. Which I've taken the kids to. Yeah, before. they come with like their bins and serve it off of a table. But um, much better business in Los Angeles than Philly. Yeah, I I'm know, like, right? What the, this, is, this is half year round. Summertime is. <gasps> oh man, humidity in Philly and going get oh, some re- so go good. and get some Rita's water ice. <laughs> yeah, it's so put, good. Put gas in the yeah. car and go to Rita's. And so for our out of town listeners, when they come to LA, like yes. like restaurants, they have to try. Okay, well this love. made me nervous because I have not eaten out that. Oh, you haven't been lately. here. I've yeah. been here. No, I but can anything, tell you Atlanta. Little things like little, um, even like your favorite things. Well, to like the kids. pizzeria mozza yeah. is nice. Austria mozza is uh-huh. amazing, but the pizzeria. Um, oh, for kids? No, like, no, anywhere. yeah, for kids. Yeah, why for kids not? Too. Well, actually, my favorite kids thing is to go to Maggiano's in the Grove yep. because. Mm-hmm. 
it actually feels kind of upscale there, but your kids like can chow on the kids meal and you still have like really nice waiter service. And so I love going there. I just had Maggiano's recently. My friend got it as takeout. And Maggiano's has a very specific spot in my heart because in Boston, it was where we would go when one of my best friends, her parents would come into town and they would take us all to Maggiano's. And they're from Boston. So they'd be like, we're going to Maggiano's tonight. <laughs> and we'd be like, as college Was it in Chestnut Hill? Where was it? It was in like, it was near Copley Square, I think. I didn't know they had one there. I never knew but about it But I remember it being here. like, it was like our fancy night out. Like, because you're a college kid and I was like, Maggiano's. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Oh, great. And someone yeah. else is paying. Yeah, someone it's else is best. paying and I'm going to get the pasta. <laughs> Not primavera. cafeteria food. Yeah. Like this is a, cloth. Right. Cloth and now like my, my turkey sandwich for dinner tonight again for the 13th time. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Maggiano's is, uh, it's a great, I should it's take the kids there kids. actually. It's really good. Um, what else? I don't know. For kids, Ginya is always good for ramen. Oh, for adults, Ginya is good. Yes. Have you ever good. had Ginya? Yeah, there's one yeah. Uh, on Main Street in it's, Santa Monica. It's, it's like just yeah. solid. Yeah, they all have different personalities. That's what's funny about them. There's one on Third Street in near Fairfax, totally different than the huh. one at mm-hmm. Brand. Like totally different. I've only Same been company. to the one in yeah. Santa Monica, and they have like different sorry, subtitle names. Studio <laughs> City is the only one I've been to. That one's good. Yeah, that's like the one at Fairfax and Brand. I don't know. what We like Bestia for like fancy yeah. night out. Fancy night out. Um, gosh, I don't even remember. No, those are great. Those are great options. Yeah, those what are, are amazing. Like? Oh, it's, I mean, doing this, Mike and I talk, we're talking about food all the time and where we should go and what, and and it's been that like guests have told us about different places. Oh. We have a like list of oh, places. Oh, we really? Want to That's the real reason why we did this I show. I know, clearly. Just to get I a know. list. You and your we're kni- just going to Do they know about your knives? Do they know? Does the audience know? <laughs> I don't think know? they do know about my knives. Okay. Nose. Well, when we were up, okay, guys, listen to me. <laughs> Story time. Campfire. Uh, so we had this evening at the house I was staying at in Idlewild where the actors came over to cook and everyone brought food and we made like chicken and vegetables and Mike brought his own knives, which means he brought them all the way up from LA to Idlewild even before knowing we were going to have oh, yeah. this dinner. I so think, I think that's I how brought, cool Mike is. I think I brought my cast iron too. <laughs> you did, yeah. you did. Because <laughs> I had it in my own kitchen and I was like, well, I can't, they're going to have crappy knives in the kitchen. <laughs> and I, I hate going to places, rental places where the knives are like so dull you can't even like cut your hand at all. And I was like, I got to bring my own knives in my knife bag. So and with Val- that haircut and his own knives, <laughs> I have to say, I almost said, like, ah, we're not home. <laughs> so Valerie, we were, we were recording an episode at Mike's house and I walk in there, I was like, Oh, what what's going on here? He's rolling out dough. Oh. Homemade dough to put in his cast iron pan. Oh, for pizza? Sauteing uh, uh, carrots and onions and celery and cooking chicken. He made a chicken pot pie in the uh, cast iron yeah. while we really were good. recording an episode and we ate some and it was Delicious. Oh my God, I want to do that. I know. We'll do it in the next one. There was a lot of butter in it. Uh-huh. But oh, that's yeah. what makes yeah, things good. What makes it's things a pot good. pie. And you think was... when you go to a restaurant, that's not all butter? Oh, I know. <laughs> on your fish? Yeah. And your healthy Completely fish your and healthy vegetables? Fish. Yeah. Forget it. It was really good. And he was just like, oh, I'm just like, I'm like whipping something up. I was like, who whips up a homemade chicken pot pie? <laughs> it's really not as hard as you think it is, actually. No, it's not. But it's the. You have to like be, I, I can't do other things and cook. Oh, I have to be like, okay, I'm cooking now. I can't be, oh, I'm recording a podcast oh, yeah. and like I have friends over and a whole thing that's impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, amazing. Well, amazing. Valerie, thank you so much for coming oh, on. Oh my God, I feel so like we you. just hung out. That's I know, it's great. so much fun. That's perfect. That's what it was supposed to be. Oh, yay. And you can come back again and when we're 
podcast is wild. When you're cooking, I hope. You'll cook my heart. My heart.